It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. New year, same old Forward Nation Radio with same old David Leventhal, last I checked. Thanks for joining us. Do you know who else is the same old? Donald Trump. And did I just compare myself to Donald Trump? Uh, boy, maybe it is a new year. Oh, same old Donald Trump will be addressing the nation tonight, as of when we record this show, on our growing border crisis, the great crisis that we face at our southern border. Personally, while it hasn't yet happened, I don't know what he's going to say. I'm guessing zombies. That's what I'm guessing. They've pretty much made up every piece of bullshit regarding the border crisis. So I'm guessing that this one is going to be the zombie invasion that's coming. I'm I'm just guessing that Trump accidentally hit the remote and turned off Fox News and turned on The Walking Dead or something. Figures that he probably could sell that to America. Anyway, he's had all his minions out there lying for a long time about what's been going on at the southern border, including, of course, the huckster so famously on Fox News recently that uh, he's got to ramp it up a little bit. So, yeah, I'm guessing zombies. Anyway, Trump is speaking as we are deep into the third week of the government shutdown. We are rapidly approaching the longest government shutdown ever. One that is, I'm sure, imminently going to come to a conclusion as reasonable minds get together and hash this out. (laughs) Sorry, it's hard to actually get that one out. Or as the turtle, Mitch McConnell, remember him? Yeah, sadly I do too. The Senate Majority Leader says, this could be days and weeks. Days and weeks, and already we are approaching the longest government shutdown ever. But it doesn't matter, I'm sure, for Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump, because it's, you know, it's mostly only human beings who are being affected. And human beings are being affected in greater and greater numbers and to greater and greater effect. Latest stuff coming out is about how nursing mothers are not getting nutritional support through the WIC program. How TSA, Transportation Safety, is seeing a whole bunch of people calling in calling in sick and lines growing dramatically at airports. Hope you're not planning on traveling anytime soon. I certainly hope you're not planning on traveling to a national park or a national monument or a national museum. Or for that matter, perhaps over the border because, yep, border security too. In this crisis of shutting down the government over border security, border security is not being paid. The EPA is not being paid. Passports. Hope you're not planning on going overseas, getting your passport, getting more and more difficult. Public safety in all kinds of ways through government inaction, getting worse and worse and worse. Our parks, the states trying to maintain them as best they can, now getting filled with trash and literally human excrement. And I guess maybe most ironically, immigration courts shutting down, backlog, not being able to process immigrants. Which doesn't mean they'd stay out, by the way. It means they're here until the courts can figure out and hear their cases. And maybe most egregiously, Native Americans. Yes, Native Americans who rely tremendously on the federal government in so many ways. And who, after all, we've only been screwing over for several centuries. So, why the hell not, I guess. But it's rippling out way beyond government workers at this point. Anybody touching government workers or touching anyone who touches government workers. Now that federal workers have already missed their first paycheck, it is affecting every segment of our economy. Many of these people, as we've noted before, can hope that once some deal gets worked out and the government reopens, that they will get their old paychecks back. Maybe a little too late for them to find some bridge money in the meantime. But for a lot of people, they're not guaranteed back payment and they will not be getting back payment. Government contractors, for instance, not guaranteed payment. And you know what all these people are hoping that the government's going to come back and help them out, repay them for all the volunteer work they're doing right now? You know what these people better be praying for? They better be praying that Democrats take over our government pretty soon. Because it's under the Democrats that these people are going to get paid. The Republicans... Well, 
these probably aren't the kind of people who donate a lot to Republican politics. Not that Trump wouldn't care about these people, of course. I don't mean to indicate that Republicans and Trump are lacking compassion for our fellow citizens. No, why I don't need to imply that at all because it's so blatantly obvious. But Trump made it a little bit more obvious during the week, pointing out that these people are going to be making adjustments. Yes, they will just make a couple of adjustments here. You know what, Donald? Maybe they're going to have to dip into that trust fund a little bit earlier than they had planned. Or for some of them, God forbid, God forbid, they may have to move some of that money held in secret offshore bank accounts to the United States to be able to live on it. But anyway, Trump also helpfully tweeted that he can relate to the situation that people were facing. Donald Trump can relate. Uh, yeah. Do you remember that time? Uh, my daddy held off payments for my $300 million loan. Uh, it was terrible. I didn't know how I was going to get by. That's right. Donald Trump can relate because there was a time where the millions may not have been rolling in perhaps for him. I'm just kidding. Of course, when Donald Trump says that he can relate, I'm sure he's being truthful. I really am sure he's being truthful. Unfortunately, it's not with the workers that he can relate. He can relate with the fact that people are stiffing workers. In fact, Donald Trump is stiffing workers. Finally, Donald Trump running this country like he ran his businesses, expecting people to work for free. But of course, this is about protecting the security of our borders, as the president is undoubtedly to tell us tonight. Oh yes, we have to protect the integrity of our borders, our security, our very safe, our lives depend upon this. The zombies are coming and brown skin people. Okay, let's be clear, it has nothing to do with border security. This was evident from the very beginning. This whole concept of the wall was a marketing trick dreamed up by some asshole working for Trump, figured that would keep him focused on the idea of keeping brown people out, which they knew would appeal to Republican voters, certainly Trump voters. So this stupid marketing gimmick has been taken over by this moron who's the president of the United States and now doesn't want to let it go. As John Kelly, the departing, recently departed chief of staff, noted at his departure, this has never been about border security. We've never taken the wall seriously as border security. It's not about securing our borders, which A, are already secure, and B, to wherever there are some security issues still remaining, don't need a wall to address them. Need, perhaps, border agents who are getting a paycheck. And that's why when we read the media, listen to the media, and hear this framed as Trump versus Democrats in shutting down our government, we have to be reminded that this is not Trump versus Democrats. This is Donald Trump against sane people, thinking people, people who actually want something better for this country. Even Republicans are being undermined by him, like the soon-to-be former Maine Senator Susan Collins. Being undermined by... Do you remember just a few weeks ago? I know, in Trump land, a few weeks is a really long time. Do you remember just a few weeks ago, the Senate voted 100 to 0 for a continuing resolution to keep the government open? 100 to 0? They can't even get a vote 100 to 0 on the American flag being a good thing. 100 to 0 because it had Trump's backing. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It had Trump's backing... Until the brain dead spoke up. In fact, when I mentioned the Senate, did you remember that there is another House of Congress other than the House of Representatives, which is going to be making a whole lot of news, I hope, over the next couple of years? Starting already this week, as we'll discuss in a few minutes. Yes, there's another House of Congress. Mitch McConnell and the Senate are still there. You wouldn't know it. They're so silent. They don't do anything. They don't say anything. One really has to wonder at this point, what is Mitch McConnell's game plan? Does he actually think that this is going to work out well for the Republicans and the Democrats are going to blink? Is that it? Is he just absolutely clueless as to running a country and once again proving that the only thing this guy is capable of is stopping things from working? Which he has proven himself to be very good at for eight years of the Obama administration. At least, well, eight years of the Obama administration, not all of which he was a Senate majority leader. Or on some level, is this McConnell getting back at Trump a little bit? Is this McConnell figuring that Trump's feeling more and more and more heat for this? And at some point, Trump's going to have to come running to Republicans to help save him from this crisis? 
Is this Mitch McConnell, who, of course, has never given a shit about Trump supporters, but has always been a bitch for the big Republican wealthy base, billionaire donors? Is this McConnell's way to weaken Trump and assert, once again, the power of the typical Republican, I give a shit about nothing but more money for me crowd? I don't know, but whatever it is, where we are is because Trump, as he noted this week, is afraid to fix this problem because he would look foolish. Yes, siree, once again, the President of the United States shows that he understands where his priorities are. And as always, his priorities begin and end with himself. Trump saying, I can't stop this because I would look foolish if I gave up the border wall. Remember, he had agreed to the continuing resolution and was going to compromise until it turns out that the walking brain dead, led by Rush and Annie, spoke up and said, how dare you do that? And so, at this point, Donald Trump has to support his very own mouth farts because people, perhaps even more brain-dead than himself, are demanding it. So now we continue to search for a non-solution to a non-problem so that Donald Trump can fulfill a made-up campaign promise to build a wall that Mexico will will pay for? Wait a minute. Oh, right. Yeah. Remember, Donald Trump wants to abide by his campaign promise, right? Isn't that what this is all about? Donald Trump needs, needs to abide. His, his word is, is his bond. But, of course, not the part about Mexico paying for it. He'll make up some shit later about that. Mexico paid for it because of whatever. We're moving some businesses down there. Therefore, they're paying for it by taxing those businesses. Yes, Donald Trump, his word is his bond. And I understand the need to make sure that everybody in this country continues to know that. For instance, with Syria. When Donald Trump came out a week ago and said, we are out of Syria, his word was his bond. Until, you know, a few days later, when the people whose job it is to clean up after the mouth farts had to come out, including, and this is really just, the world is upside down. John Bolton, the man who's the poster child of what a diplomat should not be, a lunatic, an asshole, is now the voice of reason in the Trump administration trying to backtrack on Syria. Okay, other than Syria, though. Oh, and, you know, Mexico paying for the wall. Other than Syria and Mexico paying for the wall, Donald Trump's word is his bond. Okay, and paying for people. Paying for people who do work for him, whether for the government or for his private businesses. Other than those three... Wait a minute, actually. Except... The border wall, which again, he was perfectly willing to compromise and support the Senate resolution until the brain dead rushed in. So, gee, maybe it's not so much his word as his bond. Maybe it's just if you salivate from the mouth, you tend to get what you want. Salivate from the mouth? I guess we all salivate from the mouth. If you foam at the mouth, I guess is the word I was looking for there, is the term I was looking for. If you are rabid, basically, and insane, there's the metaphor. Anyway, we're once again reminded of the great reasoning fallacy, false equivalence, which we are seeing over and over and over again. We are seeing all kinds of reports with normal thinking Americans out in the heartland, because that's, of course, where all the normal Americans are, and talking about how both sides need to come together and fix this. Both sides haven't broken it. One side has broken it. In fact, not even one side. One asshole has broken it. But both sides need to fix this. Even responsible journalists are coming out and saying this is Trump against the Democrats, Republicans against the Democrats. It's not. One side wants to fix this and move forward with this country. One side needs to make fantasies come true because the rabid supporters demand it. And this is what Trump has going for him more than anything else still as we enter 2019 and about to enter the third year of his presidency. This is what he has going for him. No matter how, it's what Republicans, by the way, have always had going for them. No matter how insane they get, reasonable people across our media and across America, and by reasonable people across America, I mean people who don't know shit, will all just go to the default position of, it's both sides. They're all the same. There's government people for you. Without taking the time to understand who's really responsible. Except, of course, for the people who watch Fox News all their lives, they know enough that it's all the Democrats' fault, no matter what's going on. But for even responsible journalists, it's both sides. 
And this is why the Republicans keep going more and more and more and more insane. Because not only do you get away with it, but you move that famous Overton window, which keeps getting more and more discussion these days. The window of what seems to be the reasonable middle and the center of what is acceptable in this country continues to get more and more and more insane. With some exceptions, again, which we'll discuss in just a couple of minutes now. Just a couple of weeks ago, Michael Tomaski, a political writer I enjoy reading and have enjoyed reading for a number of years, had an article in the New York Review of Books on how Democrats need to broaden their appeal and need to go out and appeal to rural voters. Yes, the Democrats have owned the cities for a long time and city voters. And now, obviously, with the last election, it's become obvious that Democrats are increasingly owning the suburbs where people may have an education and have an incentive for this country to actually work. But they still have a problem in rural America. And the Democrats need to do more to appeal to rural America. And as I'm reading the article, of course, my first thought is I'm thinking, well, he says that, you know, they, one, they need to show up. That's his big thing. They need to show up and indicate that they care about these people, which, of course, is, is good advice. As I'm reading that, I'm thinking, but showing up obviously isn't enough. I mean, people want you to talk to them, right? Except they don't want to hear anything other than what they want to hear. So when Hillary Clinton did show up in coal country and told these people that coal jobs weren't coming back because of mechanization and because of, you know, the planet survival, but that she would help train people for the jobs of the 21st century, clean energy jobs, etc. They didn't want to hear that. They wanted to be lied to. So in a sense, I think what we're saying is Democrats need to show up in rural areas and lie to people too. Because if they show up and tell the truth, I don't know that it's going to help much. Although giving some more thought to Tomaski's article made me think, well, maybe that's not quite what he's saying. Maybe what needs to happen is that the Democrats need to show up and at the very least tell everybody there how much the Republicans are lying to them. When the Democrats say that, the media probably doesn't cover it 99% of the time. And when the media does cover it, it's in the news, it's fake news, it's whatever. It's probably easy to dismiss from some uneducated, uninformed person out in rural America or even educated and somewhat informed ones. And maybe if the Democrats showed up and said, here's why Republicans are lying to you, well, as Tomaski notes, it's not going to change a lot of minds. But I guess maybe he's right. It doesn't have to change a lot of minds. It just needs to change some to dramatically change the balance of power. So maybe Democrats don't need to show up in these places and lie to people like Republicans have been so successfully doing for so long. Maybe they need to show up and at least point out to people who are willing to listen, those few, how much the Republicans have been lying to them all these years. And maybe at some point, the fact that they just keep getting poorer and they keep getting worse off every time the Republicans run, run this government will start to sink in. So anyway, if Donald Trump does ultimately get money for the border wall or gets to build his steel fence, or you know maybe it'll be aluminum by then or wooden slats or maybe some nice blinds, where will the money come from to run our government, let alone waste billions of dollars on an unnecessary fence. Well, we're going to be spending several weeks as we started last week and talking about discredited GOP policies that finally need to be buried so that they can't keep coming back. And I want to talk a little bit more now for the rest of the show about some more policies or some of the policies we briefly outlined last week that really need to be put to bed. At some point during the semester, in at least one of my classes, I ask my students, who wants to pay more in income taxes or in taxes? And of course, generally, the answer is, are you crazy? If I asked it late in the semester, as I did this past semester, I'm just going to reminisce here for a moment, because this was actually a pretty nice moment for me. I kind of asked that question late in the semester this time, and several students in, in one of my classes raised their hand and said, well, we do, because as you've pointed out, our taxes actually pay for things that we like. And since I teach at a public university, for instance, or what's left of it, the City University of New York, these students understand that our tax dollars, among other things, help pay for their education, which obviously is showing way more thoughtfulness regarding taxes than 99.9% .9 of their fellow citizens are able to show. Because generally in this country, 
if anybody says anything about paying more in taxes, that's the death knell. And old, older Democrats like me are freaking out every time a Democrat talks about raising taxes. By the way, even aside from the fact that taxes buy stuff that we like, one of the things I like to point out in my class is you all want to pay more in taxes. And they look at me strangely, as I expect many of my listeners right now are thinking, I don't want to pay more in taxes. But you, you know, on some level, at least, maybe it's a trick question, but you do want to pay more in taxes. For instance, if they doubled your salary, what would that mean to you? That would mean that you're going to pay more in taxes. If they doubled my salary, I would pay more in taxes. If they tripled it, I'd pay even more. You really want to screw me, CUNY? Quadruple my salary. You think I'm kidding, but this is the famous Wall Street Journal editorial of a few years ago that I've mentioned on the show before. The famous Lucky Duckies article, where the Wall Street Journal editorial page that I noted is Fox News for people who can read, pointed out that people who are too poor to pay any income taxes are lucky duckies because they don't have to pay income taxes. It's remarkable, again, how Republicans and the wealthy so control the public debate. What else is it about which we care absolutely nothing other than price? When, when someone we know uh, goes to dinner, is the only question we want to know is how much did it cost you? Don't we also want to know about the quality of the meal? What did you get for that meal? Was it good? How was the ambiance? What did you get for your money? I mentioned a very positive moment in class that happened this past semester. I'll, I'll, I'll guess for balance, I'll bring up one of probably the single most depressing moment. I've probably mentioned this before on the show, but, but in all my years of teaching, probably most depressing moment. The student I knew very well had taken me for three classes. I got to know her very well. We became friends. She got married. She moved to Florida. She called me before the 2008 election and said, you know, I live in Florida. I'm in one of the few states where my vote actually matters for the presidential election. Tell me why I should vote for Barack Obama. And before I had a chance to say, uh, Sarah Palin, she followed up by saying, tell me why my taxes will be lower under Obama than they will be under John McCain. In other words, I want to vote Republican and I want some bullshit reason to do that. No, no question about what will I get more for my money? Who will run the government better? Where will government be more efficient? Where will government spending priorities be better? No, nope, just where can I spend less? So I don't know. The only thing I can think of is that Republicans eat out every night at Taco Bell and nowhere else. And most of this country, because all we care about is price. It's only with taxes that we could do that. Don't tell me what I'm going to get for my money. I just want to pay less. Well, until kind of recently, that was the buzz from both sides. Democrats have learned the reason older Democrats like me are freaking out is because every time historically Democrats have suggested raising taxes to pay for things that this country needs, that has been the end of a political career. Walter Mondale famously saying in a debate against Ronald Reagan, we are both going to raise taxes. The difference is I'm telling you I'm going to do it. He's telling you he's not going to do it. So Walter Mondale got destroyed in the election and Ronald Reagan raised taxes. Thus, once again, supporting the Republican idea that you win elections by lying to the American public as much as possible. Well, last week I talked about maybe, just maybe, the handwriting is on the wall that some of this country, maybe enough of this country, is ready for a change. Maybe the old rules don't apply. Maybe I'm engaging in wishful thinking, but just maybe. And who agrees with me? Well, apparently the new progressive majority, or at least some of it, in the House of Representatives agreed, agrees with me. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez coming out this week and saying that she believes that the top marginal tax rate, income tax rate, should be raised to 60 or 70%. That's on income over $10 million a year. 60 to 70%, or as Fox News is already saying, 70 to 80%, or probably 100%, according to Fox News. Doesn't matter what she actually said, Fox News will demagogue it like crazy. What she pointed out, of course, would affect less than 0.05% of U.S. households. In other words, I'm willing to bet Nobody listening to this broadcast. That, of course, is assuming 
that she means that rate to apply to capital gains as well. Capital gains being how really wealthy people make their money, not by working, but by having their money make money for them. Yes, how they realize the American dream by not working. Keep that in mind in a few moments when we talk about how Republican tax policies are based on how much better and more productive the wealthy are than us. Assuming it's 60 to 70% top marginal rate on capital gains as well, it will raise something close to a trillion dollars in 10 years. Well, it's a start. A wealth tax would be better. Maybe they can do the two in conjunction. Taxing very wealthy people, regardless of what they're making in any particular year, taxing their wealth. And in fact, extending a little bit, maybe to the vaunted 1% that we're always talking about, which is people earning in excess of something in excess of $600,000 a year. Maybe some of them could be asked to pay a little bit more in taxes as well. And maybe while we're at it, we can consider a financial transactions tax for people who like to play with money in the stock market, some of whom are insider traders acting on information to cheat and steal from the rest of us. Maybe there should be a small tax every time you buy and sell stocks. And while we're at it, maybe we should go back and reinstate taxes on corporations. Maybe we should stop the race to the bottom, where most corporations in this country, regardless of the recent Republican tax cut making things worse, even before then, were something like two-thirds of U.S. corporations typically paid no income tax in a given year. Maybe we could stop this race to the bottom, so evidenced by the Amazon giveaway right in my own backyard. Maybe we could have a government can institute a minimum corporate tax, where no matter what state you're in, if the state doesn't take any taxes out, we will. You move to a country that doesn't tax you, you'll still pay it to the United States federal government. These things could raise trillions of dollars and actually help Americans and help this country and do the kind of thing that we need to do to support this country. God bless Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for bringing on this debate. Fox News will rail like crazy and make shit up about how Democrats just want to tax everybody. And much of the country, if history proves true again, will believe them. The question is, will history prove true again that most of Americans or most voting Americans will believe them? Because this is something that is desperately needed to be done in this country. We have seen over the last 40 years, since Ronald Reagan, the results of the rich not paying taxes. I mentioned I worked for CUNY, an institution that, as far as I can tell, is hanging on barely by the skin of its teeth. What used to be a vaunted public institution of higher learning is increasingly becoming an embarrassment based upon People who already make too little money being willing to volunteer their time and their resources, you know, like most of the rest of the American education system, to try to educate our children because we don't have the money or the wherewithal to do it ourselves. But anyway, it wasn't just enough that Ocasio-Cortez mentioned that we should be raising taxes on the wealthy. She then needed to kick the asses of those who responded to her on Twitter. Once again, proving that this, what, 28, 29-year-old young lady has one really big thing going for her, aside from her decency, and that is that she is so much smarter than the other side, like Steve Scalise, who apparently doesn't understand the concept of how marginal tax rates work. And so I'd like to point out for our listeners, because I expect, based on a question of one of my uh, most faithful viewers, expectation that a lot of people in this country don't really understand how marginal tax rates work. So let's talk about marginal tax rates. And somebody might forward this to Steve's representative Scalise, in case he has some time on his hands to educate himself. People talk about going into a higher tax bracket. You've probably heard people saying, I'm going to go into a higher tax bracket. Even responsible journalists have been talking about Ocasio-Cortez's plan as taxing some people 
at 70%, at up to 70%. Both of those things are misnomers. You don't go into a tax bracket. You don't belong to a tax bracket. Your money gets taxed at whatever bracket it happens to fall in. That's the concept of marginal tax rates. Now, what does that mean? That means that for the first $15,000 or so, depending on your tax filing situation, that you earn this year, you pay zero income tax. Nothing. Nada. Nil. That's true of me. That's true of you. That's true of Bill Gates. That's true of Donald Trump. Although he apparently pays zero on all of it, apparently. But um, it's true of everybody. The difference, of course, being that it may take me a couple months to get to that point. It may take you a few months to get to that point. And it may take Republican donors until 10 a.m. on January 1st to reach that $15,000 income in a year. But whatever it is and whenever we earn it, that first 15000 or so, depending on our tax filing situation, nobody pays taxes. And for the next X number of $1,000, we all pay 10%. Even Bill Gates. Even Donald Trump if he pays taxes. Even Jeff Bezos if he pays taxes on his income. Everybody pays the same amount. And the same thing happens on up the income ladder. So when Ocasio-Cortez points out that she would be, would be thinking at least, proposing to raise the top tax rate to 60 to 70% on income above $10 million a year. If I make $10 million and $1 a year, boy, am I screwed. I do not pay 60 or 70% on $10 million. I pay it on $1. Just the last dollar, which is the amount that falls into that over $10 million bracket. To put this another way, if I make $20 million this year, a guy can dream after all. If I make $20 million this year, that would put half of my earnings into the 60 to 70% tax rate. Let's, let's put it at the higher end and say that it's 70%. That would put... 10 million of my dollars into the 70% tax bracket. But the first $10 million would still be taxed according up and down the brackets to wherever that, that money would be all along up and down. So if, let's say, that would face an overall effective tax rate of 30%, then I would combine that 30% on my first 10 million. I'm sorry, I'm going to do some complicated math here. With that 70% on the second 10 million, I would pay an overall effective income tax rate of about 50%. Nowhere near the 70%. I'd pay about 50%. Because the only stuff that gets taxed at that marginal rate is the amount that falls into that category. I do not enter a new tax bracket if I get a raise from $9,500,000 a year to $10,500,000 a year. I just pay that extra tax on that last $500,000 that exceeds $10 million. Okay? I hope we all understand that. So, ultimately, we are not being taxed at 70%. They are not being taxed at 70%. They're being taxed at way, way, way less than 70%. Just the top amount, if they are making just ridiculous amounts of money. Again, remember, we're talking about more than $10 million a year before this even kicks in at all. That's when it starts to matter. So ultimately, nobody will pay an effective tax rate anywhere near that. By the way, what do I think the top tax rate should be? How absurd is 70%? How unreasonable is this as just a starting point to fight it out? Well, it was only about four decades in the post-World War II era during which the top individual tax rate, in fact, exceeded 70%. For two of those decades, it exceeded 90%. Oh my God, how did the country survive? Well, how did the country survive? Actually, it survived pretty well, thank you very much. Not only were we able to rebuild Europe, we were able to rebuild America. We were able to have the best economy this country has ever had. You know, 
when Donald Trump talks about making America great again and people look back fondly on an era that never really existed, like the 1950s and 1960s? Understand that one thing that did exist in those eras, eras was that we did have a good economy and we had a top tax rate over 90%. And we managed to survive. Personally, that's where I think we should be going. I actually think the top tax rate, as I've said on this show before, at the risk of losing all of my viewers, should be pretty damn close to 100%, but I'm willing to compromise. At some level of income, maybe even in excess of the ridiculous $10 million, maybe $20 million, $30 million, $40 million a year, more than 99.9% of Americans will earn in their lifetimes in a single year. Maybe enough is enough. Go home, meet your kids, stop working, let somebody else steal some money for a little while. You've got enough. But in any event, one of new speaker Nancy Pelosi's first ideas to try to pass the new house is PAYGO, where any government spending, any tax cuts, should have to be paid for somewhere else in the government rather than just adding to the deficit. Something that isn't generally that ridiculous a concept whenever Democrats are, are president running this country, Republicans are all big into pay-go. And then, of course, when Republicans get the presidency, deficits don't matter anymore, as I've spoken about at length on this show. Well, Pelosi's idea is not a good one. Pay-go is not a good idea. Sometimes you need deficit spending, Sometimes you need to spend money without making up for it in other parts of our economy. And just tying yourself, restricting yourself as it is, is not a good idea. But maybe what is a good idea or could be a good idea about Pelosi's proposal is to say, once again, we are the party of fiscal responsibility. The impact of PAYGO won't be strong to begin with. It's easily brushed aside. But maybe it sends a message. Democrats care. Republicans don't. But maybe also in light of what Ocasio-Cortez has just suggested, and maybe Pelosi has known about this, gee, maybe PAYGO gets put in a better light if the answer for spending on government programs like education, like health care, is to better tax rich people. Anyway, who even opposes this idea? It's been interesting to look at all the brouhaha that this has caused. The reaction that this call for raising taxes has elicited in the Fox News set. Let's be clear that this is not a question of soaking the rich. Because there were a lot of really good, wealthy people out there who aren't objecting to this. In fact, very loudly are not objecting to this. You know, there's this big movement among a lot of billionaires to sign the pledge to give away almost all their money before they pass away. I think most of them are not complaining about this. So let's be clear who opposes the idea of progressive taxes on really, really, really ridiculously wealthy people. People who overwhelmingly, by the way, have not earned any of the money that they're getting or most of the money that they're getting. It's not just the wealthy, it's the scummy wealthy. It's not just rich people, or it's not rich people who are against this. It's rich scumbags who are against this. It's rich scumbags who are perfectly happy to have children starve, go hungry, fail to get an education so that they can have a little bit more and a little bit bigger yacht. At some point, I know this is going to be put out as, oh, here we are, uh, war against the wealthy, class divisions. But it's really not that. It's just decent people against scum. Because people with a lot of money, a lot of them, have the decency to not want to enjoy that money when so many people in this country are denied opportunity and are hurting. So let's be clear whose interests are under threat right now. In any event, way to go, little girl and 
by little girl. That's a quote, of course. Way to go, Ocasio-Cortez, congresswoman, congressperson. But showing that Democrats now have some balls. Maybe primarily in the form of female new congresspeople. But balls nonetheless. Maybe Democrats are going to start fighting for things that are actually worth fighting for. Not just fighting for a little bit less of Republicans' shit. Also deserving a shout-out this week, new congressperson Rashida Tlaib from Michigan, who famously and notably called for the impeachment of Donald Trump. Oh, echoed those, those magic words that no one's supposed to utter, despite the fact that he so obviously and blatantly committed and continues to commit impeachment-worthy offenses. Oh, no, no, no. That violates standards of decency violate standards of decency not only did she call for impeachment technically she called for impeaching that motherfucker how dare she use bad language republicans are all up in arms about this again not so up in arms when their own vice president former vice president used it in the oval office no 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 but they're faux up in arms that she said a bad word That's right, the party that is backing Donald Trump has their delicate sensibilities offended by Congresswoman Tlaib's using the word motherfucker. Now, to be fair, that was inappropriate. Donald Trump is not a motherfucker. He's a wannabe daughter fucker. That's different. Not a motherfucker. I don't think he wants to fuck his mother. He probably never even fucked his mother. It's his daughter he wants to fuck. Come on, Congresswoman. You're a Democrat. You got to get these things right. Anyway, this whole argument of the scandal of a progressive tax system, taxing the wealthy more, is premised on, as I talked about last week, the idea of how much better the rich are than the rest of us. How much more wonderful and productive human beings they are. And how the market is so magical that we shouldn't be doing anything to change the way the market seeks to reward people. As I started noting last week, these are perhaps the biggest of all the Republican and and the most noxious of all the Republican lies that have been floated and have been so successful for so long. The idea that the rich are better than the rest of us? Give me a break. For the longest time, go back to the post-World War II period, the post-Great Depression period, this country was generally ruled by something called Keynesian economics, after economist John Maynard Keynes, whose economic theories turned out to be, oh, I don't know, true, play out in the real world. Keynes argued that the way to bolster sagging economies was to stimulate demand, was to spread money around for people who need it was to spend on government programs on things that we need to inject money into our economy. The problem from the Republican standpoint is that that argued against everything the Republican Party stands for, which is basically just enriching their rich donors. That's giving money, taking money from the rich to give to the poor. It's something that Robin Hood stood for, not Republicans. So Keynesianism ruled for four decades because it worked, but not if you're a Republican and your concern isn't with how well our economy was working, but how well it was rewarding rich people. And so they came up with Ronald Reagan with the brilliant idea of changing from Keynesian or demand-side economics to supply-side economics. To say, well, the way to help our economy is to give rich people more money where they can work their magic and sprinkle their wealthy fairy dust and create a better world for everybody. Well, as I've pointed out endlessly on this show for our faithful viewers, that hasn't worked very well. And in fact, the Republicans weren't even serious when they made up those arguments. Most of the ones who've crafted supply-side economics have since come out and admitted that. They weren't serious about helping the economy, they were just serious about making their rich donors even richer at the expense 
of our economy and of normal human beings. But this is what they had to sell. So supply-side economics replaced Keynesian economics and did exactly what it was expected to do. Starve the U.S. economy, but make rich people spectacularly richer. Once again, showing that Keynesian economics and rational thought does rule the day. In fact, as it is right now, the New York Times had an article, Washington Post as well had an article about how Republicans believe in lowering rates to spur growth. Lowering rates on wealthy people, not to spur growth, but dilute the economy. Also, they have some bridges to sell to us, as David Stockman, one of the architects of supply-side economics, pointed out in an old episode of Colbert. On the other hand, Democrats want to tax people to pay for social programs and help actual human beings. Maybe we need to move back in that direction, and maybe to some extent we're finally ready to do that. Again, premised on the idea is supply-side economics that wealthy people, rich people, this is beyond wealthy, rich, filthy rich people, are just so much better than the rest of us. And that's premised on the idea, aside from anything else, that the market tends to reward people properly in some respects. And again, if you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you somewhere. As I've been telling my students for years, you want to make money? Only consider helping rich people. Don't ever, ever lift a finger for poor people. By definition, they can't pay. You want to go into medicine? You could go into medicine to try to change people's lives for the better. To try to help people. Give a shout out to my nephew who's gone into pediatric infectious diseases. Not generally a big money maker. He's going to help people. Help human knowledge. Help children. Where's the money in that? He could have gone into cosmetic surgery for rich white people and become multimillionaires. Whatever career path you choose, you make a lot more money, not because you're more productive, not because you're more valuable, but because you do more to put more money into rich people's pockets. I tell my students all the time, I like to believe that as a college professor, I am a more productive member of society. I would like to believe that hosting Forward Nation Radio and helping my listeners become better informed and make better choices for the future of this planet, that I am far more valuable than I was as a lawyer at a big law firm, generally representing one corporate client against another. Guess which one was more lucrative? By a very long way. Let's look at, as long as we're looking at the Trump administration, let's look at Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani spent much of his formative career as a U.S. attorney. Not getting rich. Prosecuting bad guys. Then he became mayor of New York City. Not getting rich. We could debate the merits and his talents as a mayor. But clearly, as a mayor, hopefully trying to do something for society, not getting rich. But boy, since he stepped down as mayor, has he been cashing it in. He's been a talking head on Fox News. He's been a paid liar, a paid hired gun, a paid propagandist. He represents one of the biggest criminals on the planet. So he's rich as can be. The market rewards people correctly? I guess if you belong to a cult, you don't question anything. But for the rest of us, we understand that human beings are better capable, are more capable of making better decisions about how much money people should have based on what they are contributing to society than the market is. Beyond that, I'm having a conversation with one of my fellow professors who pointed out that I could make a lot of money by tutoring. Not tutoring my own students, of course, who don't have the money to pay me a lot of money. I can go tutor rich kids. Near where she lives, I can go tutor at Friends Academy. 
really, really rich kids where they could charge perhaps hundreds of dollars an hour to tutor really, really rich kids. You want to help people who actually need the help? That doesn't pay well. Don't help little old ladies across the street until you find out how much they could pay. Wasting your time as a doctor, going to rural areas to help poor people, to live, to battle Ebola? You're a schmuck, apparently, because this doesn't pay well. Only people who only care just about money are the ones who are going to make this much money. This is what we want to reward as a society? Let's be clear here. Again, whose interests we're promoting. And it's not just who you choose to help. It's not just your talents or what you do, because let's face it, most people who make a lot of money are well-educated, bright, talented at what they do. Obviously, not people currently in the Trump administration, including the president, but a lot of wealthy people are. But a lot of people also become, become wealthy because, as I briefly pointed out last week, they have a lack of ethics. They're not troubled like the rest of us are by stepping on people's heads, including the heads of starving children, in order to get a little bit more. And once again, having ethics, caring about others, having some decency, wanting to volunteer some of your time, donate some of your resources, all of these things get in the way of making a whole lot of money. So once again, as the debate rages over Ocasio-Cortez's, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez's comments about raising the top tax rate, let's remember what's really at stake. And let's thank her once again for making clear that more and more in this country, the battle lines are really being drawn. Anyway, that's our show for this week. We will continue over the next few weeks to talk about taxes and why we should have a progressive tax system and why all these this Republican dogma is all bullshit. So please join us and pass us around to your friends. And thanks for listening, and I look forward to talking to you all next week. Have a good week. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 